praise in this place today. Amen. Isn't he good? Amen.
Lord, thank you, God, for the cross. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your grace. Hallelujah, Jesus.
break us today, Father God. Your 
you have been faithful even when you didn't know him even you didn't obey him you didn't walk with him you recognize his faithfulness through your life whether you're younger or you're somewhere in the middle or you're older praise God for a God who is faithful couldn't have been sung any better any better amen you may be seated this morning and as we uh, prepare to give today 2 Corinthians 9, 1, there is, uh, Paul is saying, There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the saints, for I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you in Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. I don't know if we think about it, but our generosity can stir other people. The fact that you are generous and that you make that a part of who you are and what you do, it actually impacts other people. It affects them. It can stir that in them. If you have children and they watch you give and they hear you talking about it, it stirs something in them. It's like uh, making something. Sometimes if you want that flavor to be in everything, you got to do what? You got to stir it. And so as we give today, we're stirring that up, maybe in somebody that you're sitting next to or somebody that you know. So Lord, thank you that we get the opportunity today to stir up something in someone else, to encourage someone else in this way, in this worship. And I pray that you would take this offering today, these gifts, and Lord, bless them and not only use them to accomplish your will and your purposes, but use them to impact somebody else around us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
Well, if you got your bulletin today, uh, please make note of all these that are happening. A couple of them we want to make note of. Uh, first of all, happy Mother's Day. So if you're a mom out there, thank you for all that you do, all that you are. We appreciate you, and we hope that you have a wonderful day, stress-free, work-free, everything-free. And, yeah, just that's our hope for you today. Um, hey, have a couple of congratulations here. Pastor Brandon um, has uh, upgraded his credentials, and so he is a licensed minister now and moving from certified. So congratulations. Pretty sweet. And also, our pastor, 40 years of ordination. And uh, so let's give him a hand for that. So congratulations to these two men. Uh, make sure you make note of the VBS dates, okay? Get them on your calendar. Uh, make sure you make uh, preparation for your kids to be there, to bring some friends, neighborhood kids, friends from school, whatever it might be. But the Make Ways VBS will be going on at the end of June. Uh, young adults, Top Golf is coming up. And if you haven't signed up as, as a leader of a ministry, boy, I tell you, if you can just sign up now, if you haven't, you're procrastinating, just do it. Get it done so that uh, Sam Kramer knows how many to expect. Youth camp dates, you're aware of that. Next week is the deadline for the uh, $134 deposit. And then uh, kids ministry, recertification, the date's there. And if you are our guest today, first of all, we're really glad you're here. It's not easy to show up somewhere where you may not know anyone. anyone. But what we appreciate if you would do is take your Connect card, fill that out, and then you can take that to our guest services desk out in the lobby, and they have a gift for you. And we can say officially thank you for being here to do, today, but God bless you so much. Hey, just over a week ago, we got notice that uh, there's something we could be involved in. I mean, hands-on, personally, with helping Ukrainian refugees. Uh, the missionaries in Poland have a building that they can convert to housing for the refugees who are coming across the border. And so I asked Chuck Parsons, who has led so many of our missions teams, if he'd be interested, jumped on it right away. He's got a number of people signed up and ready to go. I asked Chuck to come up and just share a little bit about it. Uh, we also have some slides that he'll ask for. Um, but it's, it's time sensitive. We need to get there as soon as we can to get the work done. So I appreciate those who are already on board. And Chuck's going to ask you maybe to join. Good morning and happy Mother's Day as well. Yeah, so about a week, two weeks ago, Pastor reached out and said, uh, hey, I know you guys just got back from uh, Bahamas, but um, we got an opportunity. We got to move quick. I'm like, he's like, can you pull a team together? I'm like, yeah, I can do that. So we are, um, you want to throw the first picture up? We have, uh, how about the outside? You have the exterior? Do we have that one? Okay. So we have, there's a three-story building uh, in Poland, a town called Kowatis. I think that's how you say it. Kata that's it. So we are going there, uh, but it's very time sensitive. June 3rd, so 26 days from today we fly out. So uh, as Pastor said, we can only have nine people on a team due to the logistics uh, in Poland, getting us to and from places and so on. So we have five already committed. Um, the usual guys that go, I reached out quickly and said, hey, you got any more vacation? You know, that kind of thing. But we're going to go, and uh, that's the hotel we're going to stay in. The dog, I don't know if that comes with the room. I have not asked, but... Uh, you know, there we go. But we need, uh, we have four spots available. Um, we, we can, Builders has lots of people that want to join, you know, various teams. So we, we can fill them, but obviously we want to give our folks first dibs at those spots. So 
Uh, June 3rd through the 11th is the trip. Uh, I'm going to be in room 101, which is if you go out these doors, the first one, make a right, it's the first door on the left, kind of right across from the men's bathrooms. Um, we'll talk about uh, price, uh, what we're going to be doing. A lot of plumbing they needed to, uh, I think there was a picture of a bathroom there. There are no showers, so we're going to install showers for these guys to use. So these refugees are coming across, uh, and they need a place to stay. So there's a nice three-story building uh, that are going to be in. We're going to be working on getting the first floor done. Uh, no teams even went yet. The first team is going, I think, the third week of May, so we'll be the second team to go in. Um, so we're going to be doing lots of plumbing, probably some demolition, uh, things like that. So the only thing I would say at this point you have to have in order is your passport, because I don't think you're going to get a passport in 26 days. So if you have a passport and you're interested, please meet me right after service real quick, five minutes, room 101. All right? And I'm, I didn't research. Anything on COVID? Do we need? No? Okay, great. Right, so check that. If you're interested, please pray about it. And uh, <clears throat> generally what we do is subsidize the guys who are traveling, but we also need money for materials. That's estimated to be about $10,000. And so I know this isn't any notice to you, but for until they're ready to go, I'm going to throw that out to you. If you would give something either online, um, we'll have to put a, we'll have to give a special giving button online, I guess. We don't have one that says Poland. Um, so we'll have to get that done this week, or you can do something in just a moment. I'm going to receive an offering. We need to raise these funds so we can do this plumbing. And again, thanks to those who already signed up. If you have any interest at all, please go to room 101, as you heard, after service, just for a brief informational meeting, okay? If you've never been and you'd like to know more, see Chuck today right at the close of service. But I, I would ask for you, if you would please, a special offering today. I, I, won't, I won't, you know, I'll mention it each week until these guys are on a plane. Um, and you can just mark on it Poland. That's all you have to do, Poland. Uh, but these, these Ukrainians who have left their country, there's such devastation there. I don't see them going back very quickly, even if the war were to end tomorrow. I mean, you've seen the, the pictures, you've seen them on social media on media in general, uh, I mean, complete cities, neighborhoods wiped out, gone, need to be rebuilt. So this is, this is really, this team will really be the hands and feet of Jesus touching these people. What a great opportunity, and we want to jump on it. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to give. And Lord, I thank you, first of all, for the security that we live with right now, that we live in such incredible safety and security. And Lord, we live in a blessed nation. And I thank you for the way that you have just, just blessed us. And, and Lord, we see this scourge coming against this nation of Ukraine. Lord, with so many believers, so many believers as well. Lord, I pray that you would use that diaspora. Lord, as these, as these Christians are being scattered throughout Europe, Lord, I pray that they would bring the gospel with them. And Lord, I pray that when our team leaves in, in less than a month, Lord, how I pray that they would bring comfort and peace where they're going. Lord, that you would bless our team. Lord, that you'd bless this offering. Bless each giver. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
Thank you. Thank you. Hey, thank you for your giving. At this time, I want to ask Sherry Lipscomb if she'd come. Uh, we're celebrating Mother's Day, of course, and also women's ministries, and this this time of year that we make a special resi- um, recognition. Okay. Good morning, and happy Mother's Day. Um, you are invited this Saturday, May 14th at 9 a.m., ladies, um, to the last meeting of the season, um, Breakfast and Bible Study. We will learn um, wonderful ways to use our words. I'd like to take an opportunity to say a special thank you to our team. So team members, when I say your name, if you could stand up so everybody knows who you are, that would be fantastic. Um, thank you, Charlene Favakis. You can't. Can you hear me now? Sorry. (laughs) Thank you, Charlene. She's in the back um, for coordinating our um, team of warriors, prayer warriors um, here at Praise, who um, she gets emails and then she um, sends them out to those on the email list and people pray for the needs here at Praise. So if you have a prayer need, please let her know. And if you would like to be part of the prayer team, please let her know that as well. Um, she also heads up the card ministry. Adria McCall, where is she? If she's around back there. Um, she heads up helping hands, and um, she coordinates meals. And um, if she's not doing meals, she's doing gift cards. Um, like if somebody's having a baby or um, somebody needs a meal or something. So if you want to be part of that team, see Adria. She would be glad to have you on her team. Um, thank you, Jeannie Favakis. I know she doesn't really want to stand, but um, <laughs> she takes care of collecting money for Hershey, and she also goes over our reports, um, the financials and things like that at the end of the year. Um, 
convention is right around the corner, ladies. So November 11th and 12th, um, Illuminate 2022 is going to be happening. So registration will start in June. Um, it starts early. So um, please let us know if you're interested in going. We usually have a pretty good group of ladies. Last year we had 30 ladies go. And um, before COVID, we were running about 40. But, um, so it's a good group of ladies. They have a great time. It's a time away, um, you know, overnight without the kiddos. So um, let us know if you'd like to go. Rayetta McCall, she's capturing the moment as we speak. If you would like to stand. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> I don't force anybody to do anything they don't want to do. Anyway, um, thank you for um, capturing the moment and making memories for us for the last 10 years, actually. Um, She's been doing that. Thank you, Sade Ojo, <laughs> Elizabeth Mongari, Adrian McCall, Rayetta, for cooking for us each month. Next year, they're going to be making breakfast from around the world. So if you've ever been on a mission trip and you've had breakfast in different countries, it's, um, it's amazing the different um, things that people cook and you know have for breakfast. So I thought that would be a fun add-on to our uh, ladies' meeting. And, of course, people who always work in the background, Bob and Jean Boyer, they're always here every month. They're helping setting, set up. They're, they're helping cleaning up. Um, they're always here helping out. And we so appreciate you guys doing that as well. We are grateful for all the ladies here at Praise. You continually step up, step in where needed, giving of your time, your talents, and your resources. We truly are a blessed church here at Praise. And now I'm going to give you the list of, i got to flip the page, I don't have them by heart, huh. of the past women of the year. So 2012 was Evelyn Morgan, um, 2013 was Faye Rowan, 2014 was Kim Schuler. 2015 was Margot Tankersley, 2016 Heather Walters, 2017 Christy Rivera, 2018 Joy Coleman, 2019, Jean Boyer, 2020, 21, Pat Fry. Now it is my privilege to announce this year's Women of the Year 2022, Charlene Favakis. If you could please join me on stage, Charlene. <laughs> Thank you. Charlene has been married for over 50 years. I'm not exactly how know how long she's been married, but I know it's been over 50. Um, they have four children, 15 grandchildren, and two great-grandchildren. She loves the Lord, and she believes in the power of prayer. Anyone who ever shares a need with her, she is quick to get, give comforting words. She prays for every ministry event here at Praise Mission Trip Youth Convention. The list can go on and on, but she's always praying. Charlene heads up our card ministry as well, and we so appreciate you and everything that you do here at Praise. Thank you so much. Um, well, I certainly don't need this appreciation because um, what I give, I give unto the Lord. And um, but I do appreciate that you care enough to um, honor me. Um, and just to reiterate that you know we do have a wonderful prayer ministry here we just need people to reach out and take advantage of that because we have a group of people that are so willing to pray for all the needs 
of anybody that wants to reach out. And it doesn't have to be just our body here. If you have a friend in need, you know, that has a need, please share it. And you can go through the church uh, website. Um, they have a, I don't know what the button says, I don't remember, but I get them <laughs> automatically if you go to the website. And they, you can just post them there, or you can call me, or you can email me, or post some, ask someone else to get it to me. I'm always willing, and it doesn't matter the time. My phone is always on, so I'm, a, I'm willing. And so just reach out anytime. I've had many calls come late at night, and you know, it's a good time to pray. It's quiet. So I do pray for everyone that comes in. And um, like I said, I don't really need the world to give me the appreciation because I know that I only do it unto God. And it's a ministry I've, I've really grown up under. My mother was a prayer warrior. She was an invalid, but she knew how to pray, and she taught me. And you can't teach your children anything more important than to pray, and not just to pray for yourself, but pray for others. Always reach out. That's what, we, that's what we're supposed to do. And I thank you so much. I am a woman of no distinction, of little importance. I am a woman of no reputation, save that which is bad. You whisper as I pass by and cast judgmental glances, though you don't really take the time to look at me or even get to know me. For to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known, and otherwise what's the point in doing either one of them in the first place? I want to be known. I want someone to look at my face and not just see two eyes, a nose, a mouth, and two ears but to see all that I am and could be, all my hopes, loves, and fears. That's too much to hope for, to wish for, or pray for, so I don't, not anymore. Now I keep to myself, and by that I mean the pain that keeps me in my own private jail, the pain that's brought me here at midday to this well. To ask for a drink is no big request, but to ask it of me, a woman unclean, ashamed, used and abused, an outcast, a failure, a disappointment, a sinner. No drink passing from these hands to your lips could ever be refreshing, only condemning, as I'm sure you condemn me now, but you don't. You're a man of no distinction, though of the utmost importance, a man with little reputation, at least so far. You whisper and tell me to my face what all those glances have been about, and you take the time to really look at me, but don't need to get to know me for to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. And you know me, you actually know me, all of me and everything about me, every thought inside and hair on top of my head, every hurt stored up, every hope, every dread, my past and my future, all I am and could be. You tell me everything, you tell me about me. And that which is spoken by another would bring hate and condemnation. Coming from you brings love, grace, mercy, hope, and salvation. I've heard of one to come who would save a wretch like me. And here in my presence, you say I am he. To be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. And I just met you, but I love you. I don't know you, but I want to get to. Let me run back to town. This is way too much for just me. There are others, brothers, sisters, lovers, haters, the good and the bad, sinners and saints, who should hear what you've told me, who should see what you've shown me, who should taste what you gave me, who should feel how you forgave me. For to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. And they all need this too. We all do need it for our own. I started with that video, that's the woman at the well, I've shown it before, and I thought it would be fitting today because 
we're going to reference that when we get into my message in just a few moments. And uh, as I reference her in my message, when we get to that point, I'm going to highlight to you throughout this message how Jesus broke cultural norms in order to express his value for this woman and in reality, all women. Before we get into the message, though, I do want to say, because uh, I want to show that video before I went any further, uh, I do want to say thank you to Sherry Lipscomb for her faithfulness for really many years now. I can't believe how many years we've been doing Woman of the Year. Then we went all the way back to 2013. But thank you, Sherry. And would you express your thanks and maybe come out this next time? <clears throat> really do. Um, and, you know, there's so many things that she shared that I, I wanted to kind of highlight and spotlight. You know, Robert and Jean Boyer coming out every time. I understand Jean coming out. You know, but this is a woman's breakfast. And maybe that's why Robert comes out. <laughs> because actually, he gets treated really well. We have great food for men's breakfast. So I guess he just wants a really good hot breakfast two weeks in a row. The second Saturday of every month for the ladies. And then uh, the third Saturday for the men. Anyways, yeah, I need, I need to wish all of our moms a very blessed Mother's Day today. You're... Your life is a sacred call. You have an important purpose, obviously, and I pray that God will bless you as you fulfill that purpose to your family. And I also want to admit, before I get into my message today, that um, I am usually conflicted on holidays like this because although I had a wonderful mom and my wife has been a tremendous mother to her children, I realize that Mother's Day is not everyone's favorite day of the year. Uh, some of you, <clears throat> some of us, have mothers who have passed away. Um, others have had bad memories of their mothers. Some women here today maybe have longed to be a mother and you're not able. There are others of you who, well, your moms and maybe you've got children who won't even so much as reach out to you and contact you. And so sometimes preaching a wonderful, flowery Mother's Day message actually leaves people, you know, leaving the service and feeling not so good. And so if you don't mind today, I would much prefer to focus today on all women and not just moms. Is that okay? Come on, really? Just two of you? <clears throat> and they weren't even mothers. <laughs> Now, the Bible says we're to give honor where honor is due. And so we honor mothers who have been faithful and guiding and leading and instructing uh, those in their care. Mothers who have been nurturing, those who have been prayerful, as we heard, taking joy in their God-given position. And again, I pray God, I pray that God would bless our moms. But what I want us to do this morning is to turn our attention to the Word of God. Because the one thing the Bible does... The one thing the Bible does, that God does through his word, that no one else has ever done, is to properly elevate womanhood. I mean, the Bible does more to promote respect and proper standing for the female gender than any movement that has ever existed. And actually, you know, it's probably the least boasting that we can do because, you know, I think about the feminist movement, whatever that is today. There are different clubs, there are different corporations, nonprofits, whatever. You know, the, the, the big ones, and I don't want to give them the dignity of naming them, they have done nothing 
to support women. Really. They have totally failed women. And, and, And instead, their efforts have moved away from supporting and protecting women's rights. And today, they become solely focused on gay and lesbian issues. The feminist movement today has left women behind. It does nothing to support female victims of sex trafficking. They do nothing today to rescue women from the pornography industry. They refuse to speak out against the discrimination of women in Islam and other world religions. You just saw this week, Afghanistan is enforcing the full burqa on all females. Where's the feminist movement in our world? Why Why aren't they rallying against that? And yet the Bible, to the contrary, is filled with instances where women are shown as industrious and courageous, that they're fit for leadership, as well as for raising the next generation. And so I want to draw your attention this morning to Proverbs chapter 31. We've already looked here once this spring, and we're going to probably look at it again in a few weeks when I, when I get into a series on marriage. But Proverbs 31, we're going to begin reading a verse 10. And I want you to note that your Bible titles this portion as the wife of noble character. Some Bibles may also label this passage as the virtuous woman. But Proverbs 31, verse 10. A wife of noble character who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds a distaff and grasps a spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She's clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Father God, I pray, Lord, that you would open our minds and our hearts to your word today. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. Show us the reality, the reality of the truth and the depth of of your word, Father. Speak to our hearts. We ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now, you know, this is a very complete picture of female potential. And and it's one I think that if if you, you know, the next time you read it, read it slowly. 
male or female, it doesn't matter, man or woman, it doesn't matter. Read it slowly on your own and look at what is contained in these verses. Because what we're presented here is a very high standard for any and all women. And let me just say, I wish there was a comparable chapter for men. Father's Day is coming in about a month. I wish it was a direct and simple list, just like this. I mean, you know, just all in one package, one concise chapter, one single location in the Bible that, that would relate to tell us what, what, a, what a godly man looks like. But yet here it is for the ladies. And let me say that although these might seem rather lofty, they're attainable. It takes, it's going to take effort. It'll take diligence. But in the end, it has an appropriate reward. We're told at the very last verse, that we're, uh, before then, and then the very last verse, we're told that her husband and her children and even others will praise her. She will be talked about at the city gates. And you know, I think it's amazing that the Hebrew Bible includes a pas passage like this that would so focus on female virtue. And by virtue, I mean strength, because the biblical word for virtue, in the, what Scripture tells us is virtue, translates as strength. And I would add one other thought here as well. If you look at the source of this chapter, it is written by King Lemuel, who is actually King Solomon. And he's putting into writing all the things that he must have learned from his own mother. And so ultimately, these standards are probably from her. This is a woman speaking to all women. And what I want to do next in order to continue to show you how prominent women are in the Word of God, I'm going to share with you just now a chronological list, just a partial list of women found from the pages of Scripture. Women who are mentioned by name in God's Word. And you can begin writing the second book of the Bible with Miriam. Well, I skipped Eve, but that's okay. Second book of the Bible, Miriam. She led the people in praising God after crossing the Red Sea. That's in the book of Exodus. Then there's Ruth, who put God first, became the ancestress of King David. We have Deborah, who, who was a judge and a prophetess in Israel, who crushed Sisera and Jabin's Canaanite army. There was Hannah, who lent to the Lord the child of her prayers in the book of Samuel. Esther, who took her life in her hands to plead for her doomed people. And by the way, we just read a couple books here that are named after those women. Ruth and the book of Esther. The widow whose obedience sustained the prophet Elijah. There's a little captive maid who told Naaman's wife of the man of God who could cure Naaman of his leprosy. There's a woman who anointed Jesus with the expensive ointment in Mark chapter 14. The poor widow's gift of two mites which won Jesus' praise. Mary, who gave birth to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Martha, who served, and Mary, who sat at the feet of Jesus. Mary Magdalene, who brought spices to anoint Jesus, who first greeted the risen Lord and received the first commission, go and tell. Then there was Lydia, one of the first converts in Macedonia. There was Dorcas, who was labeled as having, being full of good works. There was Phoebe and Priscilla, servants of the church in the book of Romans. Lois and Eunice, who raised Timothy. And we're told that they had a sincere faith. There was Persis, the beloved, Tryphena and Tryphosa, who labored for the Lord in Romans chapter 16. The Bible is full of all these notable women. Some named, many more unnamed, who did great and meaningful things for God and for his kingdom. And that's how it should be today. 
There's no reason that women today should not also be ministering for the Lord. Whether they're stay-at-home moms or involved in a career, they're called to serve because they have something to offer. But understand this, that only the Bible, only the Jewish and Christian Bible raises up women from a place of property into a place of personhood. A place of property into a place of significance. The credit cannot go to feminist groups. The credit cannot go to politicians or media pros. It is the word of God that has brought this liberation. And that's what I intend to prove to you today. That's why I want to educate you today. Because there's a tremendous book besides the Bible that I believe every Christian should read. And I'm going to read a portion of it to you in just a moment. Um, and a, a chapter concerning women before and after Christ. And the title of the book, and you'll be familiar with this because some of you have bought the book since I mentioned it years ago, and uh, some of you have read it. It's How Christianity Changed the World. How Christianity Changed the World by Alvin Schmidt. And again, I've mentioned this book many times in the past. It is a masterful work. Because it makes clear to us that Christianity has truly radically changed the world that we're living in. Even in spite of what the liberals have tried to do to drive us backwards into a pre-Christian chaos. That's really what they want. To go pre-Christian. But I want you to listen to the opening paragraph on his chapter concerning the freedom and dignity of women. Listen to this. Schmidt writes, What would be the status of women in the Western world today? had Jesus Christ never entered the human arena? That's a great question. He says, one way to answer this question is to look at the status of women in most present-day Islamic countries. Here, women are still denied many rights that are available to men, and when they appear in public, they must be veiled. In Saudi Arabia, for instance, women are barred from driving an automobile. Now, I I know that's that's changed a little bit. I'm reading, I'm quoting directly from Schmidt. This book was written back a ways. But he says in, in, in Saudi Arabia, women are barred from driving an automobile. In the summer of 1999, news reports revealed that women in Iran were forbidden to wear lipstick. And if they do, they can be arrested and jailed whether in Saudi Arabia or in many Arab countries where the Islamic religion is adhered to strongly, a man has the legal right to beat and to sexually desert his wife, all with the full support of the Quran, which says, and then he quotes from Surah chapter 4, verse 34, he quotes right out of the Quran, it says, men stand superior to women, but those whose perverseness ye fear admonish them and remove them into bedchambers and beat them. For if they submit to you, then do not seek a way against them. That's talking about man to wife. And believe it or not, that's much of the world today. And I'm forever amazed when I see a woman who appears to be American born. That's again, it's an assumption. But I see a woman even here in the streets of Newark and in and, and, and Delaware who appears to be American born. I'm amazed walking around wearing the burqa or the hajib or the abaya all covered up on a blistering hot Delaware August afternoon. Why would any woman forsake the freedom and the dignity that was conferred upon her through Christ? And accept a culture and an existence as a non-person in Islam. 
That makes no sense to me. I, you know, history teaches, Schmidt's book in particular teaches how that for, many, for millennia, women had been without status. No status at all. Second class citizens at best. He points out that even in supposedly enlightened societies, and this blew me away, the Athenian Greeks, I mean the first republic, before, well before thousands of years before our republic, but the Athenian Greece, women had no freedoms. I thought they would be more enlightened. The average Athenian woman had the status of a slave. She was not permitted to speak in public. Listen, listen to, to these quotes by three of their philosopher statesmen. You'll love this. Sophocles wrote, O woman, silence is an adornment to woman. And I have the references if you ever want to look that up. That's in his writing called Ajax 293. Euripides asserted, silence and discretion are most beautiful in woman and remaining quiet within the house. And the philosopher Aristotle said, silence gives grace to woman. And then, of course, women fared no better under Roman society. In fact, most infanticides were committed against female babies in the Roman Empire. And it truly isn't until Jesus begins his earthly ministry that women, women begin to be treated differently. And what I'm going to point out to you this morning is that the changes that Jesus brought about, the method that he used to bring esteem and dignity and freedom to women was done very subtly. Really, in a sense, it was almost under the radar. You had to see it. He didn't preach it. He lived it. He practiced it. You see, he didn't, Jesus didn't get onto a campaign of adopting the cause of women's rights. You will not see that in Scripture. He never, he never spoke about it, never preached about it. He never made it a platform in his discourses. Rather, what he did was to teach by example. He modeled a new and a different behavior of men towards women. Very subtle, very simple things, but they spoke volumes. People noticed. And without a doubt, he was probably criticized for being so radical. For example, in his day, there wasn't a rabbi in all of Palestine that had women following him. There, wasn't, there weren't any rabbis with women as their disciples. But Jesus had women who followed him and his disciples. Now, they're never referred to as disciples, but he included them in his immediate circle of followers, didn't he? In the Gospels, we see him interact with the Samaritan woman at the well. And without prejudice, he has no prejudice for her being a woman. He's not worried about her being a Samaritan. In fact, it was the woman who pointed this out to Jesus. She's the one. When he asked for a drink of water, she was the one. And, and, and here's what she said in John 4, 9. She said, you are a Jew. And I'm a Samaritan. And I'm a Samaritan woman. You shouldn't be talking to me. I'm a nobody. I'm less than a Jew. And I'm not a man. And you asked me for a drink? You see, again, it wasn't, it wasn't just that she was Samaritan. But it was more so probably that she was a woman. Because in rabbinic law, not biblical law, rabbinic law, in Abot 1.5... 
It says this, he who talks with a woman in public brings evil upon himself. That's what the rabbis believed. To talk to a woman would bring evil on you. Another rabbinic teaching says this, one is not so much as to greet a woman. And yet women were part of his ministry. Mary sat at his feet while he taught. Let's look at John, uh, excuse me, Luke 10, 38. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do this work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Now, again, usually when we study that passage, right, we compare Mary and Martha. Mary at the, at the master's feet and Martha all busy with life and getting things prepared and her preoccupation of the moment. But you know what's really significant? Again, citing the rabbinic law of Jesus' day, and this is from Sota 3.4. It says, let the words, listen to this carefully, let the words of the Torah, let the words of the law be burned rather than taught to women. Hello. If a man, and it goes on further, if a man teaches his daughter the law, it is though he has taught her lechery. And yet here's Mary sitting at the feet of the master, the rabbi of all rabbis, the Lord of lords, king of kings. She's sitting at his feet being taught by him. You see, Jesus' actions are earth-shattering. They're going against all religious and cultural norms of his day. And he knows that. He's God. He created us. John 1.3 says that through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Galatians 3.28 tells us that there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And others were all made in his image. Yet we're all unique one to another. Amen? Even though we're equal, we're not the same. And that truth does not become evident until Jesus Christ comes into our world. And he lives it out before his disciples and the multitudes and even the Pharisees. Now, Jesus was but one person. He was surrounded by a small handful of disciples. But here's the thing. Once he sends the Holy Spirit to the apostles, that's when the early church freely and openly welcomes women as key components in the cause of the Great Commission. Jesus set the example, but the Holy Spirit continued to reveal this to the early church. And you remember how the early church was accused of turning the world upside down? That was in Thessalonica. And moving women beyond a place of slavery was probably one of the many ways that Christianity challenged the status quo and began to turn things upside down. Let me give you a list of some of the women who had a place in ministry in the New Testament church. In Philemon chapter 2, Paul mentions Aphia, who was a leader in a house church in the city of Colossae. According to Colossians 4.15, there was another sister. Her name was Nympha, who had a church in her house in Laodicea. 
In Ephesus, there was Priscilla and her husband Aquila, who also had a church in their house. In Romans 16, we read about Phoebe, who was a deaconess in the church at Sancria. In Philippi, there was Lydia and Euodia and Syntyche. In Corinth, there was Chloe and her household, who alerted Paul to the problem of divisiveness and litigation among the Christians in that city. And so you see, the New Testament is full of examples of women who are involved in ministry, and we need that today as well. It didn't cease at the end of the New Testament. In fact, if anything, it escalated. Just an interesting, some more trivia for you, some more. I think it's interesting. The Emperor Constantine, who provided for new freedoms for all Christians during his reign as emperor. While he was doing his thing, his mother Helena was actively overseeing the building of churches throughout the empire. She was overseeing the construction of churches. One of the most famous being the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem. We can also see the zealousness of women in the history of the Assemblies of God. Many, many of the first church planters in our movement were women. A majority of our first missionaries were women. In 1946, we began in 1914. In 1946, we had 503 missionaries. 329 were women. More than half were women. And many of them were single women. And then today in our fellowship, 20% of our ordained and licensed ministers are female. Now, two things I want to make clear before I get, well, I, before I get too much. Well, before I, get, before I start my message. No, we're getting near the end. But I want to make this clear, okay? The first is that my emphasis today is not on women, really. It's on Jesus and what he has done for women. So don't think otherwise. Don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say today. I'm not trying to glorify women today. I just want you to know that because of what Jesus has done, you ladies have a lot more freedom today than you would have any other way. There isn't a political movement out there. There isn't a caucus or coalition out there that's really looking out for you. Only Jesus. And I also want you to realize that the, you know, the, the truth that I, I can't state emphatically enough is that only Jesus, only his first century followers have done anything significant for women at all. And they did it, listen, they did it without ever promoting a women's movement or organizing a women's movement. All they did was act differently towards women and had an incredible impact on our society. And, you know, I wish, I wish that the world around us knew this truth. I wish that radical feminism would stop focusing or accusing the church of trying to limit a woman's freedom. Like the church is trying to reduce her dignity. I wish they'd realize that it was the influence of Jesus Christ that brought about such monumental changes to a woman's status. It was Jesus and, you know, you've got some information now. And if you need any of this again, you can watch it later and write down what you missed. I would encourage you to be ready out there because the, the world does, they have no clue. You know, they, they hated Jesus when he was on earth and they still hate him today. And they're going to denigrate him. They're going to try to tear him down every way they can. And they do it with misinformation. Jesus Christ liberated women during his lifetime. And his church We've had, our, we've had some failures, but overall, you know what? We've maintained it. 
And the second thing that I've tried to highlight this morning is that women are to have a place in ministry and involvement. You know, some churches, I think I said this a few weeks ago, some churches teach that women are second-class citizens. And their churches are somewhat male-dominant and they're oppressive to women. And hopefully today I've made clear to you that this is not where we stand. This is not where the Assemblies of God stands concerning men and women in ministry. We are meant to work side by side. Again, remembering that Christ, in Christ there's neither male nor female. We're all one in Christ. And yet in this too, I want to add a caution, a reminder to all of you, that we need to have a priority in our lives. And this will keep everything straight. God first. If you're married, then your spouse, then your children, then your home, then your job, then your ministry. Okay, we are to be involved in ministry. But if you're not called to full-time pastoral ministry, then it's lower down on the scale. And you need to maintain that proper order. And I want to close with just two verses that we read out of Proverbs 31. Verse 30 and 31. Charm is deceptive. Beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gates. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the way that you've made us. That you have made us male and female. And in the very beginning, not just male and female, but husband and wife. And Lord, I thank you that with these distinctives, there is yet equality and there is unity. Because those two in marriage can become one. And they can fulfill your will according to your word. Lord, that, that your desire is for godly offspring. And that that cycle would continue, male and female, husband and wife and children and so on. And Lord, I thank you that even in this church with such a mix of, of ethnicity. Lord, I thank you that, that we can also not just appreciate our ethnic backgrounds, but we can appreciate the fact that we are distinctly male and we're distinctly female. And we play certain roles as husband and wife and father and mother. And we have other distinct roles of service and ministry as well. Lord, again, I thank you, Lord, for Sherry Lipscomb and her team, Lord, and for the, the, the women's meetings on a regular basis, and, and also for putting the convention together and getting that whole group together. Lord, I just thank you for all of that. And Lord, it wouldn't happen without their hands involved. Lord, I pray your blessing on them. And Lord, today too, I pray your blessing on our women as we focus on women this morning and especially on mothers today, Mother's Day 2022. Lord, I pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Lord God, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us, Lord, as we leave here to realize how much your son has done for us. Not only has he saved us from eternal damnation, but Jesus, you showed us how to really live. You promised, you told us in John 10, 10, that you have come to bring life and life to its fullest. 
And Lord, I thank you that we have eternal life through you, but I thank you that we can also have a blessed life. We can have a full life. We can have an abundant life now. I thank you for all that you've done, Jesus, by coming into our world and into our lives. We give you praise. We give you thanks. And Lord, now I pray your blessing on every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.